With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to another edition of At The Buzzer, the first in-season edition. We are officially at college football season, and I could not be happier. I'm your host, Jack Barsh, and this is my other, the other host, Sam Mativian. Yeah. Hi. Also, we need to change our name now that football season's in. I don't know. I kind of like the, uh, I kind of like the quaintness of at the buzzer. Mm, we got to do something on fifth down. That could be the play instead of Sabatino Chen. <laughs> yeah, that's true. All Colorado athletic achievements are preceded by uh, <laughs> ref mishaps. It's yeah, written. absolutely. Well, um, week one is coming gone, but coming up on week two of college football. Um, and now that week one is complete, we have, our first official impressions of this 2019 Colorado Buffalo team um, led by Mel Tucker. And uh, I watched on Friday. I was there on Friday. Did you watch Sam? I was in press row. That's well, you watched officially then. Yeah. I had a worse seat than last year, but it was okay. (laughs) Where was your seat last year? Oh, actually last year I was watching the game from in Italian airport. But the year before, I was on, like, the 30-yard line. This year, I was, like, in the end zone. I find it hurtful that you think an Italian airport is a better seat than in person. But Oh, no, 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 no. You, <laughs> I don't even want to talk about that airport. That was horrible. Well, we won't then. So, well, I've written um, about it. It's okay. The CU Colorado Buffaloes faced CSU um, – in Mile High, or sorry, yeah, no, officially is Mile High Stadium? Invesco? It's Broncos, Broncos Stadium at Mile High, okay, which is sorry. stupid. Broncos yeah. Stadium at Mile High, and <laughs> um, this was the last year of the series in Boulder um, before we moved to Fort Collins um, you mean in 2020, yeah. which is the final year of this long, I think, 25-year run of yearly games and then finally the long national nightmare is over in 2021 um to where it goes home and home will you miss the series in boulder do you will you or in denver will i miss it yeah i mean i don't really care whatsoever (laughs) yep that's about where i'm at yeah i never really viewed it as anything other than a should be win and it's kind of a disaster if you lose and i've seen them lose and it was awful yeah, yeah. And the venue endeavors adds a whole bunch of other stuff that you don't want to deal with. The yeah, my terrible. bus route, I got, I got elbowed in the face by some drunk kid. Well, that's just college football, baby. <laughs> and then someone threw up on the bus right in front of me on the way back. Once again, these are positives. I'm These are positives <laughs> of the college football experience. Yeah, this is my thing is like I, I want rowdy students until I have to be around them. <laughs> That is definitely rowdy students. I don't know. The, yeah, the uh, I took a light rail back to where we were parked, and see that was fun because it was just you know mostly CU fans chanting the fight song. Yeah, I they got, were chanting the fight song on my bus. That was fun. 
I, I, I can see if you did not know there's a football game that night, um, why, <laughs> why you would be upset and confused. But um, that's on. And also, the, the Broncos had a preseason game the night before, but the Buffs still had the best player who was on the field. That's right. LaVisca Chanel, who got the ball, I believe, four times, five times total. He had six, just... touches, six touches for 83 yards and a touchdown. Let's uh yeah, let's just go right into the analysis of the game. Yeah. Um so it was pretty even in the first half. CU went up three in the halftime. And uh boy howdy, this defense was worrisome. <laughs> what happened to Nate Landman? I would like to know. Well, I don't know. When you I, I rewatched it, it looked like he was favoring his shoulder pretty heavily. I don't I don't want to speculate on in injuries, especially because yeah. no one said anything about it. Um but he definitely seemed more lost than last year. And he, he was forced to tackle in space one-on-one with some speedy guys, which is not his strong suit. Oof, that bodes terribly for his NFL chances, but <laughs> for his we get him his senior year chances. I was about to say, if that, if that means he's in Boulder for another year, I yeah. don't know how many tears I'm going to cry over that. McKinley Wright three-point shot conundrum. Well, it, but here's the weird Nate Lamont thing is you and I both agree he had a middling game um, and as opposed it to the defense as a whole, which had a below average game or some would say bad game. I would say bad game. Stats say horrible game. Um, I would I would say that Nate Lamont was much more um, mediocre than bad. And the crazy part is his mediocre – Performance is still about 10 tackles. Oh, he had that? Yeah. I didn't even notice. I just saw him get kind of embarrassed on the swing or on the wheel route. Yeah, I do. I don't like that. Apparently, CSU figured out the cheat code, at least in this young defense history, which is just get the ball to a fast man and make him run around the offensive line. Well, the flats, there's no CU player in the flats whatsoever. The, def- the defense, round one, is brand new. It's uh, it's still a 3-4, but it's all new concepts, all new schemes, all new, like, fits, run fits, pass fits. So um, mm-hmm. you could obviously tell that in the first half by the fact that no one was ever in position to make a one-on-one tackle, which is terrifying. Um, John Van Deese was lost quite a bit because he's new to college football and also new to this defense. Nate Landman was forced to go out on these receivers, couldn't make the tackles. Davion Taylor did not grab the star the star role as well as we wanted him to. Just a whole bunch of um, little things that added up to CSU getting whatever they wanted um, on those sweeps, which was terrifying to watch. Yeah, could you – what happened? Why is Davion Taylor not involved more? That's a good question, and they haven't said anything about it. I can only assume it's because he's learning a new position, and uh, it's a new position to the defense. It's not like Davion Taylor is switching from linebacker to safety, and all he has to do is learn the safety calls. It's it's like Davion Taylor is switching from linebacker to safety and linebacker, and so he has to learn the safety and the linebacker role. Plus, he has to learn all of that in a new defense. Where this well, you cut out again. Um, I'm assuming you're asking how his role is different okay. than last year. Um, yeah. And it's, it's more coverage-based. So he's, he's basically – the plan was 
<clears throat> I believe, uh, from fall camp to line him up at nickelback. And um, on passing downs, he would shift into linebacker. Yeah, that makes sense. So I think he was a little bit behind the learning curve because that's a whole lot of stuff to try to figure out. I mean, he's also new to football. This is his, what, fourth year playing in his life? Yep, his, his fourth organized football year. Plus, his, I mean, I don't know. We could have really just used his athleticism out there. That would have been nice to see. Uh, instead, we got Yeah, that's gashed. what I was confused about. We got gashed on like, the outside runs. Yeah, I was confused, like, why we had such an obvious lack of team speed, but Taylor wasn't being used closer to the line of scrimmage to kind of undo that. It's interesting. I, I guess we didn't look that fast, and I would say maybe we do have a lack of team speed. I would say we didn't look that fast because no one knew where to go. Like, I, I feel like, you know, basically when, when the plays were simple, right, when Mikhail Onu had to cross half the field to get to that interception in the end zone, mm-hmm. that was fast. Uh, that was pretty simple. But when Mikhail Onu has to figure out what hole to plug in the run game, I think he plays slower. Um, so in the first half, the offense completely carried the defense. CSU was scoring at will. CU was scoring at will. Um, the offense had, a, I, I think, a brand new look. I mean, let's just start here because this is all I cared about. We threw the ball to the tight end. We threw the ball to the tight end more than once, Sam. More than once the tight end got the ball. Ugh, that's all I've been asking for. Jalen Harris caught the first touchdown for CU uh, in the end zone. And then he caught another pass, uh, I believe, a really a bullet from Steven Montez that should have been picked off, but Jalen Harris plucked it out of the air. Um, and then to end the half, Brady Russell had two straight catches that allowed for LaVisca to score in the half touchdown. Sam, did you like what you saw from the offense? Yeah, I was most impressed, well, with the tight ends, of course, and also with just the run game as a whole. And I realized that CSU has a terrible, terrible defensive line, but it was encouraging to see that this offensive line can push people. And Kerry Kutch. To, to yeah. be fair, that is the strength of CSU's defense. But That's their strength? Yeah, it's going to be a long year. It's going to be a long <laughs> year for them. Oh, God. Um, yeah, well – Kerry Kutch, in his first ever start, he was playing left guard. He was one of the most impressive players in the game, probably the best lineman in the game. Um, mm-hmm. And then Alex Fontenot, I don't know if it's because CSU just can't tackle or because he's just really slippery, but he was busting big plays easily and just on dives up the middle for 5 to 10 to 30 yards. So that was really encouraging to see. And if the U doesn't have to pass as often, that makes their receivers more dangerous, especially with the pistol offense. I uh, I completely agree on that last point, at least. I, th- I think, I mean, LaVisca is such a gravitational player. Uh, mm-hmm. He sucks up so much energy that the more we can, we can get away with not using him, I think the more dangerous he is when we do, in fact, use him. If we can lull the yeah. defense, like, once again, uh, in the last drive to end the half, first of all, beautiful two-minute drill execution, something we haven't seen in a long time where mm-hmm. we get the ball with a minute and a half left, see who gets the ball with a minute and a half left, and drives down the field easily. We 
Uh, we don't have a third and ten holding penalty. Nope. We, in fact, had no <laughs> flags on that drive. Montez extended the, the plays. He made the right throws. The tight ends got involved. Um, and the best part about that LaVisca touchdown at the end was, and it's what, Sam, you were talking about, we ran a run up the middle with Alex Fontenot for three yards, right? Mm-hmm. Three yards in a cloud of dust. I'm thinking, I'm yelling in the stands, there's 30 seconds left. Why the hell are we running the ball? Right? Mm-hmm. And then the very next play, <clears throat> we fake the handoff. See, who fakes the handoff, rolls out, and because they were expecting the same run, LaVisca can streak down wide open to the back of the end zone. Oh, yeah. For the dive. And that it- is something that wasn't there last year. And that's I can't because recall. we're pushing him up front. Yeah, I can't recall really any play action. No play action like that, <laughs> at least. No rollouts. No yeah. non-shotgun play action. Which is and, ridiculous when you have Montez. Right. And, I, I mean, that was a great throw on the run. Obviously a great catch oh my great God, yeah. by LaVisca. Yeah, Montez, I was a little bit frustrated with earlier because he missed some really easy throws. But he – he really did drop a lot of dimes, like at least like what, five spectacular passes. That's the Steven experience at this point. We keep, we yeah. keep saying if he cuts down his mistakes, then yeah. be great. And I think we, as a fan base, just have to accept he won't cut down on his mistakes, but he'll I still think be once great. You, once you accept that, he's much more enjoyable, and we can appreciate him much more. I completely agree. To, to illustrate your point in this game, there is a third and four – Running back out route, Jaron Manga runs, I think, in the first mm-hmm. half. That he – there was no one on him, wide open. Steven Montez throws it in the dirt. Yeah. It doesn't even hit Jaron Manga on his body. You see, you're thinking, how do you miss that throw? And then, you know, three drives later, it'll be third and ten, and Tony Brown will have three guys around him, and Steven Montez throws a frozen rope in the exact window he needs to get that first down. Yeah, that throw was incredible, and I love Tony Brown. He's so he was sweet. So so solid that game, man. He was solid. He Maybe blocked. We'll, he caught possession we'll, passes. He went deep. Um. I I'm wondering if we'll see more pass happy attacks, because it did seem like CU was trying to either preserve their receivers' health or just not show much of the game plan besides five yard dives. Um, I was I was actually curious about the second part too. I, they might be. I'm sure they're trying to preserve Lavisca's health, um, especially here. Like even, even with less touches, he should get be getting around ten touches a game. Yeah, he was getting like what fourteen a game last year. Yeah, something like that. And those were not easy. Those are like the wildcat touches. I I think we'll see him less in wildcat this year because that's just punishing. Um, but I do think we'll see him around the ten touch mark. I think they're helping, trying to preserve his health as best as possible. Um, and this is the weird part about having a new offense is I don't know what they were trying to preserve for Nebraska. It, it looks certainly looked like a vanilla game plan of just run up the middle and say you can't and then throw. Um, but maybe well, that's the game plan, which, as you know, I am so down for that being the game plan. Oh, yeah, I know you are. I yeah. absolutely want to just be able to run, lean on teams until they quit and just run down their throats. But – um, it's also possible that they have a little more tricks up their sleeve. I know from watching Jay Johnson offenses at Minnesota and at um, Louisiana Lafayette, um, we saw a lot of like tight ends line up off tackle or split out. 
but we did not see a lot of too. yeah but we didn't see a lot of full house like two h back sets which i know he likes to do with the pistol um so it's possible that those wrinkles get added in as we need to um add those wrinkles in i'm also one last th thought on the csu game since we can probably move on i'm just worried that lavisca is being headhunted right now and that teams would rather take cheap shots at him like there was an out route where montez overthrew him and the safety tried to clear out or tried to lay out get him off his, uh, get him off his feet yeah no yeah visca didn't fall down well it's that is possible, and I wouldn't put it past them. But uh, CSU strategy was more: if the ball's in the air near him, just grab him and take the yeah at 15 minutes, 15 uh 15 yards. Which is I absurd, can, but yeah, I, I can honestly respect that because they know that they couldn't handle it otherwise. Are we gonna see more of that this year? I don't. I don't think anyone will stoop to that desperate measure. As Maybe much. Lavisca burned the Nebraska secondary. I, he did. Um, I doubt that they lack the confidence <laughs> to to employ that strategy. Or maybe they have the false confidence to not deal with it. Like Remember, that. Sam, they have a player named DiCaprio Boodle at cornerback. They can do whatever they <laughs> All right. Um, well, is that our segue? Well, I, maybe from the first half. I still want to talk a little bit about the second half. Uh, um, I wasn't even watching the second half. Well – it was close in the half, at least half. Of the, I guess it wasn't close <laughs> because we got the, the turnovers right away, which was a huge yeah. boon for the defense. Um, they seemed to, in the second half, figured out a lot of their alignment stuff, um, and they were just throwing guys out in the zones um, to make sure that they, the same thing didn't happen with the tight ends and the uh, that one guy that CSU kept doing the jet sweep on. Yeah, um, he was a true freshman, by the way. His name was something right – Dante Wright, I believe. Dante Wright, yeah. Yeah, he it's was – I mean, he was fast, and he was a good runner. Um, but I also think that we were just completely unprepared yeah. um, for that game plan. And Mike Bobo was smart enough to realize I can just run this as much as I want until they switch, until they adjust. Mm -hmm. um, and then we did adjust, and then he had no answer. They, they scored well, he blamed on the refs. Well, yeah, his answer was it was the guys in white and black that made me do it. Um, that argument, that argument had merit two years ago when there was all those pass interference calls. But yeah, he's just trying to save his job, which is well. Crazy. It had merit two years ago when there was pass interference calls, and it was a it was a touchdown score game into the fourth quarter. Yeah. Blah blah blah. But when you're losing by 21, <laughs> it's hard to say the refs influenced the outcome of this game enough where I'm upset. You mm -hmm. can say. I don't know. The refs hurt us, or the the refs weren't fair, neutral. Like, that's fine. But then you can also have to say we also just got our ass beat. Um, mm -hmm. Well, they outgained CU. Yeah, which well, they absolutely did because the, I would say that this was the ultimate less the ultimate exercise in bend don't break defense, mm -hmm. um, where we just gave them however many yards they wanted, um, not on purpose, but because, and then CU would just try to get the ball back. Um, and I'm I, gonna, I do think I'm gonna, that was a strategy. Like turnovers were a definite strategy employed by the. the yeah, the, I think having four plus four turnover margin is unsustainable. Um, clearly, but 
also part of that yardage thing was like CU had a short fields after those four turnovers or one of those turnovers was a defensive touchdown so shortest right. field possible that literally a zero yard field for the offense <laughs> I'm happy yeah. Mustafa scored by the way what's up I'm happy Mustafa scored yeah I'm happy that John Van Dees got the sack too because he had a rough first half I'm yeah, just glad he, he got good. to scream off the edge and just completely nail a quarterback. We need the Denver kids to do well. Um, but, well, it's, it just helped for the in-state guys to do well against other in-state schools. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, do you have any other thoughts for the second half? No, I was writing my recap. Well, there you go. Uh, <laughs> I, I will say Fontenot came alive in the fourth quarter. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. He, he like you said, he gashed C, uh, CSU for yeah, I think what was it, 120 yards. Um, yeah, 122 on 19 carries. But those touchdowns came off some great blocking and also um, just a ridiculous amount of I like you said he and this, this was on his high school tape. He never, no one ever got a clean shot on him in the hole. He always yeah. seemed to have one half step to the left or one little juke to the right that always let him bounce out or um, put his foot in the ground and go outside. And um, that's, I mean, that's a hard skill to get or a hard skill to have just being able to make those tiny moves. So you can always go forward. Yeah. I was very surprised. I thought that he would be more of a straightforward, just downfield runner, maybe get the four or five yards and not do much else, but he really impressed. Yeah. Um, I also thought it was smarter than to put, Fondo out there because um, they didn't show a lot of Mangum either because Fondo was the hot hand they're riding it which is smart or because mm-hmm. they want to keep Jaron Mangum and other weapons like Deion Smith or Jarek Broussard under wraps for as long as possible yeah that's smart um, I think Fondo was doing great I don't think they need to put Mangum out there but they will at some point rotate those backs and it's I, I think I wish I saw more of Mangum and I wish Deion Smith was out there at all because he's my favorite of the backs um but, well, I mean, with Deion Smith, you could use those. He's He didn't redshirt last year, did he? He did redshirt. Oh, never mind. That takes away my idea. I believe he did redshirt last year. Um, right. Well, he's going to get plenty of playing time. I just think uh, they did not play him on Friday because they didn't need to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, let's move on to Nebraska because we don't have much time left. And now, yes. Yeah, so now I'm, I am – I cannot tell you. How excited I am for this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been reading all the Nebraska player comments. I've been reading our lack of player comments, which is lame because trash talking is the fun. Um, well, there's a point to the trash talking where the team that doesn't say anything looks better. Yeah, I get that. But I also really wish for all the for that Nebraska player who said last year Nebraska was the better team. Mm-hmm. I just wish that someone asked Mel Tucker or Steven Montes about that. And all, all we said is scoreboard. Just, just keep we should, the scoreboard. We should make a shirt with Jacob Callier with a twist and shout as the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but then that would be admitting guilt, of which there is no guilt because there is nothing he, – they, he did nothing wrong. Jacob, Jacob Callier <laughs> did nothing wrong. That's my stance. Yeah, he needs to be a team captain just to troll. I, I, he needs to be out there on the first offensive series. They need to put him out there on every single play. <laughs> Even if it's, like, ineffective. Completely, he's not- yeah. You make him the running back. Just tell him to run towards the Nebraska sideline and get as close to Scott Frost as possible. 
over and over again. Adrian Martinez. Also, I need to stop calling him Blake Martinez because I did that. Uh, the former Stanford linebacker? I thought he was a Nebraska linebacker. Taylor Martinez is a former Nebraska quarterback. Blake Martinez was a Nebraska linebacker, I think. He's a Blake Green Martinez Packers. was a Stanford linebacker. I pulled that out of my ass. No, we're looking this up. I am. I just looked it up. You did? Yeah. There's no way he was at Stanford. He is, in fact, a Stanford former Stanford linebacker. Forever Stanford linebacker. Man, okay. I could have sworn. All right, anyway, we're not talking about Blake Martinez. <laughs> uh, it's Nebraska week. It's game week. I have eaten zero corn. Sam, have you eaten any corn? I don't eat any corn anyway. Boom. Okay, we're all both still fine. I have worn zero red. Sam, have you worn any red? Nope, I haven't. Okay. Well, game week continues then. I, I was... didn't even root for Liverpool this week. I couldn't root for the Reds. Well, I never do. I just, I just root for Jurgen Klopp. Yeah, okay. We're, we have the same idea. Okay. <laughs> so, it's it's Nebraska week. Uh, as, a, as a recap, they played South Alabama week one uh, at home in Lincoln, and they won 35-21. to 21. Um, And it was closer than the scoreboard appears. Well, so here's the, here's the weird part about that game. South Alabama, similar to CSU, outgained Nebraska. Um, and Nebraska's offense scored 14 points. Mm-hmm. So they scored. They had two defensive touchdowns and a special teams touchdown, which has to be worrisome um, for Nebraska fans or opportunistic for CU fans. Yeah, Adrian Martinez looked ass. The Lions, they lost in the trenches to a Sunbelt team, which is kind of hard to do. 3-9 Sunbelt team. That has been Ooh. a... Division one team for ten years. They've been that, here that long. Uh, you, wait, you thought South Alabama was newer than ten years? I feel old. Okay. Anyway, I feel like they just joined, but it's okay. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's similar to CU, where you, you can't expect four take takeaways every game. You can't expect three non-offensive touchdowns every game. For sure. Um, so I would be I, – I watched some of that game. Their defensive line was not nearly as dominant as I expected them to be. I thought the defensive line was going to take over that game. and they Nebraska's? Didn't. Yeah. Is it because they dominated CU's offensive line so badly last year? Well, that and also because that's meant to be their team strength. They have uh, oh. grad transfer Darian Daniels, um, who is – Who's been old. talking a lot of shit. He's been talking, yes, despite not being their last. I guess, you know what? Actually, I'm okay with that now that I think about it because he wasn't he wasn't solely last year with a loss. He doesn't have the 33-28 game in his head, mm-hmm. so he he can have full of that under, he can have all that unearned confidence because you know he didn't lose to see you. Yeah, <laughs> it's Where the rest of them that I'm confused about. Um. Daniels is in the middle at nose tackle. He's a pretty good nose tackle. And then Ben Still uh, at defensive end has been a monster. He was a monster last year. Um, but he was not as, uh, like, physically overpowering as I expected him to be. Um, and then on the other side, they have Khalil Davis, who's a senior. They just have experience up there. Uh, but I expected more. I expected more from the defense, despite having two touchdowns. How do you think CU – what do they have to do to win? For CU to beat Nebraska, 
uh, a few things have to happen. Um, let's see. Number one, take care of the no turnovers again. Can't turn the ball over again. Keep it clean. Uh, I think number two. Don't get sacked seven times. <laughs> yep. Don't don't let Steven Montez get hit every play. Um, I think the Which, offensive did line. Did he get hit? Did he get hit at all against CSU? Uh, there's a few knockdowns, but there was no sacks. We also didn't throw it at all. He threw it 20 times, um, which is nothing compared to last yeah. year. Um, I think CU's offensive line has to generate some push, um, which will be – that will be interesting to see if, if Kapilovich can already pull that off. Because if, if CU can move forward on Nebraska running the ball, um, that makes – Nebraska's job a lot harder. Yeah, I honestly think if the rushing attack gets going and the pass blocking is, like, even average, then we're set. Well, yeah, so hold on. Let me look this up because I think I got this correct. South Alabama scored 21 points against Nebraska. Mm -hmm. And hold on. If I got my stats correct, they – um, against Nebraska, averaged less than three yards per carry and still scored 21 points. Hold on, hold on. South Alabama, oh, yeah, they rushed 44 times for 83 yards. Yee. Okay. And they still scored 21 points. They turned the ball over three times, and they still scored 21 points. How many sacks were there? Um, it looks like Nebraska sacked one, two, five. Okay. Well, that takes away quite a bit of yards. Yes. You could say maybe 20, 25. If we play a clean offensive game, we can keep Nebraska's offense off the field. I think the game becomes a lot easier. I think the game becomes a lot easier. So... What about the Nebraska offense? How is it going to stack up against CU's no good, terrible defense? <laughs> uh, well, like you said, not great, Bob. Uh, <laughs> they, can, they have weapons. Um, Maurice Washington, currently facing charges of child pornography in the state of California, will start at running back for the full game. Um, and he will – he did well last year. He'll probably do this well this year. Um, but their real weapon in the backfield is freshman Wandale Robinson, who is a speed freak. Um, plus they have Martinez. Uh, but I'm watching Martinez. He looks slower than last year. I, I feel like he looked like he bulked up a little bit too much. He looks shaky running. Um, mm -hmm. just to see if that continues. Um, he looks shaky passing too. <laughs> their offense looks shaky in general. And I, I'm sure the, the line in Lincoln is they were just keeping everything under wraps for – for CU, but when you're mm -hmm. tied uh, going into halftime almost, then I don't think you keep stuff under wraps. Yeah. Uh, well, so, I mean, CU was in a similar situation, but they still kept things under wraps, so. I don't – well, like I said, I don't know how much CU did. I don't know how much Nebraska did either. Um, I, I know J.D. Spielman is pretty good on the outside, but I think after that they're hurting for wide receiver weapons. I think they missed Stanley Wilson – or Stanley Morgan. Um, mm -hmm. And their offensive line, specifically their center, is ripe for the picking. They were nice. good. Um, their center is brand new. 
he well we have a brand new nose tackle so yes but the thing that i'm excited about and this is the third point i want the third key i wanted to make is uh, that the defense has to be aggressive just in blitzes i think specifically sending more than five people at the blitzes the were pretty effective against csu Right, which we did not – see, you did not blitz very much, nor did they, like, do stunts or anything crazy very much mm-hmm. um, along the line. I it think, was just three pass rushers and the zone defense, which got picked apart because Colin Hill's actually pretty accurate. Yeah, he, 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 he made some nice throws. Colin Hill made some really nice throws. Um, I, I think for, for Nebraska to be stopped consistently, I would like to see Nate Lamon play vertically up and down the field rather than trying to cover him across the field. Yeah, he's fine in coverage, but um, he was he's when he can knife through the line of scrimmage. That's when see you can do it. And um, Nebraska center, like I said, is inexperienced and small. So as long as Sammy can get hands on him, I think Lamon could have a really good day just knifing that a gap. That would be that would be nice to see with Carson Wells more involved too, because he wasn't. Super he was good. also lost. He was also lost. Really, the, the the edges did not shore up until NJ or sorry, Nuomoto, Fallow, and Carson. His what ninth year oh. on campus? I think it's rounding around ten. Yeah, he uh, <laughs> he's going the Brian Cabral route of just staying until someone asks him why he's still there. <laughs> Alex Kinney's still here. He's in his fifth year starting. And he's the yeah he's the only player in CU history to win to beat CSU five times. Wow. That's incredible, actually. Um, so before I stop rambling about Nebraska game, I, I think this game hopefully is, is clean on both sides. I think it's going to be relatively carefree uh, or mistake-free. Um, and I think it just depends on which offensive line does less bad. I think that's okay. – which offensive line screws up less is going to win the game. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, what are your thoughts quickly before I keep talking? Uh, I don't know. Well, CU kind of bullshitted that win last year. <laughs> um, but I don't, I don't care. It was – the team last year was really bad. Sorry, there was no asterisk next to the, uh, the 2-0. <laughs> there was no asterisk next to the 5-0 either. <laughs> there was um, by the end of the year. <laughs> um, yeah, I – I'm encouraged. I, I don't know. I'm sketched out by the defense. As you uh, should be. It was it is worrisome. I would l- I'm should I be worried about Folsom being red? They'll have more visitors than anyone in the past ten years or yeah, probably ten years. Um I, I wouldn't be worried about it being a majority like some of their fans are claiming. Um but I think they'll have somewhere around five figures in, in Folsom. And how many does Folsom fit? 40? Uh, about 50. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, and as Rick George said in his presser today, it is the single most profitable game in CU history. Yeah, that sounds right. Just because CU fans are kind of hawking their tickets for what, like 500 a seat? So when we pay for, so when we pay for these, uh, this the new sound system of, in Folsom next year, we should probably dedicate it to the uh, Nebraska fans who have nowhere else to go on a Saturday morning. <laughs> oh my goodness, they're just dying to leave Lincoln and come to Colorado. As they always are, and frankly, who can blame them? 
All right. Well, I'll be there. Will you be there? I will be there. All right. Well, we'll figure something out. Well, yep. We'll see. Maybe, maybe we'll do a little video recap for the pod. Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe. People can see our faces. I look How, cute. When's the last time you trimmed your beard? Uh, last week, actually. It was oh. getting a little wild. Okay, well, never mind then. Yeah. Well, right. okay, before we leave, score prediction okay. for Nebraska. Go, uh, Sam. Uh, CEO wins 38-31. 38-31. Oh, I, you know what? I could see that. Um, right now, Nebraska's favored by three and a half points, and I believe the over-under is in the mid-60s. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? I'll say to play devil's advocate and to, to protect my own heart, I'll say Nebraska wins uh, 35-28. Okay. Yeah, sounds good. It does not sound good, but it sounds plausible. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See you, Jack. All right. See ya.